Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Todd. Good morning. Well, uh, I have I have been here before, but it's been it's been just a little bit. Uh, I would like to uh, to start off with. So usually a, a, a pastor or a preacher or, or a guest speaker, their message is, is is proportional to the size of the water bottle that they bring. So just want to kind of give you a heads up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so my name is Will Donovan. I have. Uh, Known Richard for hey man I haven't seen you guys in a long time are y'all back in Sweetwater kind of sweet sweet glad to see you this morning sorry I didn't mean to point you out but I just it's just awesome uh, so I, I am I'm getting to see some familiar faces uh, some some folks that that I've seen before some folks that I've met before and 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 I'm glad to have this opportunity to come back uh, I guess when the last time I was here or the first time I was here I had just surrendered to my call to ministry and 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 I got to fill in here and and it's great to be back and so uh brother Richard called me this morning actually he sent me a text this morning and uh, he said you up and and I was like oh well <laughs> oh and and so I responded and and, uh, and he just said you know we've got some situations going on here in the city of Sweetwater that's not really good he's uh he's already been out to well, at that time he had been out to three structure fires and was heading to his fourth. And so uh, as Todd was singing this morning, and I know his service, and I know Richard's service uh, to this community, it just got, got me to thinking, you know, in, in, this, in this community and in this world, we have to have people with hearts of service. And those two men this morning just, just reminded me of what that looks like in the flesh. You know, Jesus shows us in his word that, and tells us that we have to have a heart of service. And, and our, the title of the message this morning, we're going to step away a little bit from, from the, the series that you're in in Ephesians. Uh, we're going to be in, in, in Luke and we're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan. But anyway, it's, it's, it's developing a heart that, that cares. And, and so uh, it, uh, de- developing a heart that reaches out. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about what that looks like, going to define some principles that, uh, that I've been reading and studying about. But, but I just wanted to say uh, that I ha- I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Richard and I go, uh, go back a long way. Uh, you know, when, when, when we were at Trinity together, we, 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 we bonded with each other. We grew from each other. We were a little bit jealous of each other, if I'm, if I'm being real. And, and uh, anyway, so when I surrendered to, to my call to ministry, it, it was tough because, you know, I thought, man, I'm going to be able to get up there and I'll, I'll preach and bring the word and all of this stuff. And, and I think, man, this is going to be great. And, uh, man, God just kept calling me to do an officiate funeral after funeral after funeral. And my heart was starting to break. I was like, man, God can... Can I have a wedding, <laughs> please? <laughs> These funerals are hard. But, but as I was seeing that as hard, Richard, unbeknownst to me at the time, Richard was sitting back and thinking, well, I wish I had a funeral. 
I wish I had, you know, not that he wished he had a funeral, don't get me wrong. He wished he had an opportunity that I was having. And so we, we, were, we were, man, the Lord was calling both of us. He was calling both of us in, in different ways, in different opportunities. And I'll tell you that this, this what we're going to be talking about in a little bit, a heart for service and a heart that reaches out. I can't think of a man in the flesh in the city of Sweetwater that has a bigger heart than Richard Acuna. I just ain't. I mean, that's just the truth of it. That's, that's how I feel. You know, Richard is a whole lot more uh, dynamic of a speaker than I am. Man, he's, he, he, he can make you run through a wall if, if, you know, if you really get into it. And, and so Richard today is, is not here because of his heart for service, not only for the community in the city of Sweetwater, but his service for the Lord. And, and he's doing that through, doing that through, uh, through his vocation. And so I'm thankful that uh, while, while it was short notice, and usually I have a long time to prepare to be able to fill in, I tell you what, the, the last time I did this, uh, the verse that, come, that came to my mind was uh, 2 Timothy 4, 2. It says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 7.30 this morning, that verse came to my mind again. You better be ready in season or out of season. What that tells me each and every time is that that fleeting moment in the morning when I get up and go to work and I, I don't have time to read. I don't have time to study. God said, be prepared in season and out of season. I give you as long as there's breath in your lungs and you have the ability to get up and get out of bed and go do something in the morning. You better be preparing for the message that I've got for you each and every day. Not only does he have that message for me, but he has it for each and every one of us. And so I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning. I, uh, uh, if you didn't catch where we're going to be, we're going to be in Luke 10, 25 through 37. So uh, I, like to, I like to move around a little bit because it makes me a little bit more comfortable, to be honest with you. So a little bit about myself. Like I say, I come from... I go to church right now at Trinity, and uh, not, well, of course, not right now. I'm here, but I go to church at Trinity. Uh, that's where my wife and kids are right now. Uh, got three kids. One of them's in Algona, Iowa, working for for a, a wind energy company, and then I got a senior in high school, and then I got a a first grader. So I've got them stair stepped, and uh, I've, I've I've often joked I'm gonna have kids until I die, <laughs> and and that that that. Uh, that while I say that as a joke, it's an awesome opportunity to uh, to be in the Word each and every day. An awesome opportunity to lead my family, and especially especially lead my boys to be to be men of God. And I want, and if I do nothing else, excuse me, if I do nothing else in my life, what I want to do the most is to be a good husband, and to be a good father, and to teach my boys to do the same thing. That's what I want to do. I will consider my life a success if I can do those two things. So uh, as I was studying, uh, when I prepared this message uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, I was reading a book uh, named, uh, it's called A Man After God's Own Heart by Jim George. And, and, and I know that we're here to celebrate Jesus and bring glory to him. But I still have to go back to God gives us people in our lives 
that we can look to in the flesh to, to see, you know, he was talking about David here and David being a man after God's own heart. Man, God has given us people like Richard, a man after God's own heart to follow, to, 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 to be, a, a, to be a, a person in the flesh that we can look to and see, you know, he doesn't always get it right and he'll be the first to tell you that. He's made many mistakes in his life and he'll be the first to tell you that. But each of us have an opportunity of, we, we all have a Richard in our life to be able to look to, to walk and guide because we can't do this alone, guys. We can't do this alone and we're, we're not called to do it alone. But you, we have to be, our, opportun, our opportunity and our obligation is to be a man after God's own heart. And if we do that, if we as men, that's, that, and I'm trying not to get on a soapbox here, but, you know, Todd talked about our country, you know, stepping away. As men, that's on us because we are called biblically to lead our households. Not with an iron fist or anything like that, but to be good examples to our wives, our kids, and our communities. And so we are called to be a man after God's own heart. This book, the, the, the part that really struck me, and, and we're going to get to it, this, uh, uh, Jim George lays out seven principles that, that, uh, that are good principles to follow if you are trying to develop a heart that reaches out. And these seven principles are, number one, love takes initiative number two we're called to love the unlovely number three we can't have an impact without contact number four love requires a broken heart number five we have to use our witness both verbal and nonverbal. And we have an opportunity each and every day to do that, to witness verbally. Some of us can speak. Some of us can just be, I mean, you know, Moses talked about not being eloquent of speech. But some of us, man, we can, we can, we have been given the gift of speech. We have been given the gift to be able to communicate. I am not one of those, but I know people that are. And, and we have an opportunity to, do, to witness to people both verbally and non-verbally. And that non-verbal part, that's, that's, that's kind of where, that's, that's my safe place. I can communicate with people in a non-verbal, non-verbal way way better than I can verbally. That's for sure. Number six is be flexible. We have to be flexible in the lives that we are given. We have to have opportunity. We have to see opportunities and, and have the flexibility built into our lives to be able to pour into those opportunities and, and be a part of those opportunities. And number seven, the last one. This is, to me, this is probably the most important. We have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to sacrifice. And mainly, for most of us, what that sacrifice looks like is our time. Rick Warren says it this way. He said, if you give someone your time, you are giving them the most valuable, valuable gift that you could ever give someone. Because time, the gift of time is something you can't get back. 
And if you're willing to give your face to someone, if you're willing to just stand there and be a part of a conversation, sitting on the couch, holding somebody, just listening to somebody, just holding somebody's hand, walking them through, guiding them through, helping them through, just being there in a time where they need you the most, that is the greatest gift you can give someone. These principles, like I say, are best articulated in Luke 10. 25 through 37, and it's, uh, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. As, as, can everybody hear me okay? Because I seem to be coming in and out. Do I, am, I, am I too too loud? Okay, good deal, good deal. So parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood, <clears throat> stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus said, How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, As a man was going down from Jerusalem in Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and he saw him, he passed on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he traveled... <clears throat> he came to where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him. He went, he went to him, bandaged, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the end, in the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will, be, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus goes on to say, Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law, he replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I, I, I should have said this from the straight out of the gate. Uh, Friday night was to me, you know, it, it should be declared a state holiday because it's the first Friday night in football season. And so my voice is not typically like this, uh, except during football season and, and, and into basketball season. Uh, and not quite into track, but football and basketball season for sure. I usually lose it on Friday and, and back by Thursday, it's ready to go again for me to lose it again that Friday. So I'm sorry if I I'm, if I'm sound a little raspy this morning. So back to where we were. So this parable begins by the man asking the question of Jesus. And he's, he's trying to put him in a trap. It's, it, it's funny to me. I can't figure out why people are always trying to trap Jesus. Because, I mean, it, number one, it doesn't make any sense. He's Jesus. I haven't figured that out, you know. I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, verse 25 and 26, the expert in the law, he's asking, 
with his, his inherit eternal, how do I inherit eternal life? And it's, it's the, like I said, he, he meant to trap Jesus. But I, I guess where I'm going here is the, I guess the simplicity of the gospel is, is what was so foreign to people. And I'll be honest with you, it was a foreign concept to me. All I have to do is just ask Jesus into my heart, repent of my sins, ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Man, that seems too simple. I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're thinking as well. The simplicity of the gospel was just too much for them to understand. It's not easy, you know, I'm not saying it's easy to, to live out life as a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. In fact, in my opinion, I don't know how, what the rest of you think, but in my opinion, when, once you accept Christ, you know, there's a saying in my house, once you know, you can't unknow. So do you really want to know? And so as I asked the Lord into my heart, he was like, all right, I'm coming. But you have to understand, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to ask you to do things that are very uncomfortable for you. I'm going to ask you to do things for me on my behalf, for my glory, that's not going to be very popular. I'm going to ask you to do things. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Not really fully understanding what I was getting myself into, but the rewards, the rewards I have been able to be a part of the opportunities God has given me since my, the day of my salvation and walking my salvation out. Are, 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 and, and the rewards I get to see in heaven, oh man, I'm excited. I'm excited for what that's going to look like. So verse 26 says, he, he asks, what is written in the law? And he asked him, how do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Jesus is telling this in simple words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The simplicity of that, even today, is a hard concept to understand. I don't know if it's necessarily a hard concept to, or, to understand or we're just that hard-headed. One, I, I don't know. I know for me, and, and my wife can affirm this, I'm pretty hard-headed. And so I think our society sometimes is still a little bit hard-headed because we want Jesus. We want him to bless us. We want him to do all of these things. But yet we won't do the simple things like loving him, loving our neighbor with all our mind, body, and soul. So he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, who is my neighbor? Doesn't it seem that we always have to and always want to justify ourselves? Our current society is always trying to figure out who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Because we, we want to love, you know, and it's human nature. <coughs> Excuse me. It's human nature. To love the easy ones. I know for me it is. Y'all want to go over here and love on the people that I know that I can love on. But I don't necessarily want to love on the people that maybe disagree with me. Or maybe 
don't think like me. Or maybe on the left side of the political aisle or the right side of the political aisle. I want to love on the easy ones, but Jesus, not him. That man, he, he, was, he was in some, some places that we would look at today. He was in some places that we would be scared to go into. He was in, I mean, and he was walking down the street just like nothing ever. Because that's where he felt the most comfortable. That's where he wanted to love people. That's the people that he wanted to grab a hold of. And I haven't had a tough life. I'm not going to sit here and say I have. But I know people that have. And I know people that question, God, if you are so good, then why don't I have a meal every night? God, if you are so good, then why do I not have a solid roof over my head? God, if you are so good, why did my dad leave? Why did my mom leave? God, if you are so good, why am I struggling in school? God, if you are so good, why do I, and fill in the blank. Jesus didn't want to do the easy he wanted to do the hard. He wanted to love on the ones that felt so unlovable that he could love. And we have that same opportunity. So Jesus answered. The guy asked, the lawyer, basically, he asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered this question with the story of the Good Samaritan. And I'm, I'm going to read it again. In Jesus' reply, he said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and we saw the man he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when, a man came, when he came to the same place and saw the man, he passed him by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn so he could be taken care of him. And then the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. So not only did he pay a tab up front, he put the money up. This is the, I'm going to take care of this guy, but if this ain't enough, when I come back, I'll square up with you. Love takes initiative. This is where I'm going to get into those seven points here. Love takes initiative. Jesus breaks down this story of the priest who is walking down the road, and he sees this wounded man, and he deliberately, deliberately alters his path so he doesn't have to deal with him. How many times in our lives have we done this? How many times have we deliberately went out of the way because we know that guy on South First is going to be there. How many times have we deliberately went out of the way because we know somebody's going to be out there, right there at the at the Walmart and the and the and the Wendy's, holding up a sign, saying whatever. I'm not saying that you have to give to every every person that does that because I know there's scams out there. I know that there are some that make tons and tons and tons of money that way. But there are also people out there who really do that 
that really are in need. And all I'm saying is at that point, if God speaks to you, if God lays it on your heart to help that person out, whether it be monetarily, whether it be going in and buying them a bag of food, whether it be just stopping and praying with them, whatever God calls you to do in that moment, it's okay to do that. Because at that moment, once that transfer of whatever it is, whether it's prayer, food, or money, it doesn't matter. That's none of your business. That's none of my business. That's between them and the Lord. Because you're being obedient to what God is asking you to do at that given moment. And that's what our lives are really called for, is obedience to what he wants us to do. Have we seen a situation or an opportunity to lend a hand and deliberately avoid to do so because we are too busy or we have things to do? This Levite, he went, he, he went down the other side, I'm assuming, and he passed the injured man. He passed the guy that, that was just, I can't imagine what kind of shape he was in for them to just pass him by. But the thing I'm getting at here is these two guys. So you got a priest and a Levite. Levite was responsible for the Mosaic law, correct? And so the, 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 uh, and the, the priest, he was responsible for bringing the word of God. So you have two religious leaders of the day that are supposed to know God, but deliberately pass his people. I'm going to say something right here, and I'm, I'm not trying to offend, but how many people... How many of us come into this building or a building just like this one scattered across our community, but then as soon as we leave this building, we walk around the other side to avoid deliberately the injured man or the injured person? Because what that looks like is it doesn't have to be somebody that's physically marred. It doesn't have to look like somebody that's just poor, destitute, and out of it. It doesn't have to look like what I can only imagine that this person looked like crumpled up on the side of the road. This person can look just like me and you. Struggling with something. Beat down from something whether that be physical or whether that just be mental. We've heard over the last several years how mental health in this country seems to be deteriorating. And I can't help but think it's because of all the stuff we're putting in our foods, but that's a whole other subject. But the truth of the matter is we're struggling with mental health in this country. The truth of the matter is we have an opportunity to help folks out each and every day And some of us, I can't speak for you, I can only speak for myself, some of us deliberately go out of the way and avoid the opportunity. However this situation looks like, like I said, may not be as severe as this, but we have an opportunity to lend a hand. i got to share a story here. Uh, There's a young lady that I know, she's a waitress. And it's, a, it's really a sad story because uh, what, uh, what her and her coworkers do, they gather up straws. And they get to do this at their place of employment. They gather up straws because they, they're going to draw for who works on Sunday. And I was like, who works on Sunday? 
yeah, we draw straws for who works on Sunday because we don't have to want, we don't want to be involved or have to serve the church crowd. Ooh, wow. Why is that? Well, because we get, we get comments. Well, I'm only required to give God 10%. Why am I required to give you 15? Ugly comments like that. Rude comments of, of just, I mean, I can, I can tell you the list goes on and on of the things that, 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 that's been told to me about that. But basically, once we leave this building, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to love God. And love others. So don't be the person that's forcing people to draw straws because they don't want to work on a Sunday because of the church crowd. Be be opposite of that. Be willing to step out there and, and, and say something nice to them. Those that are working on Sunday generally are working on Sunday because that's what they have to do in order to get by. Verse 33 says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Samaritans were looked with, uh, 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 looked at with contempt and disgust. Jews and Samaritans did not mingle. They did not mix. They did not live amongst each other. My study even talked about a wall that was being built between them. Little... Kind of brought mind, to mind some walls we've talked about in our in our country over the last few years. The Samaritan saw the man; he took pity on him. Other translations say compassion. The Samaritan saw a person in need of help, and he stopped and tended to his needs. It was very clear to me in my study that the Levite and the priest, these two religious men, they saw the person in need. And deliberately walked away. Two men that could have shown compassion to their fellow man, but they chose not to. I don't know why, but they didn't. The Samaritan, he went to him, bandaged up his wounds, poured oil and wine on him. And then he took the man, put him on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, took care of him. And the next day he, he took the money, gave it to the innkeeper and said, look after him and I'll pay any debts owed. When I return, he took his compassion, did not stop with just checking on him. His compassion, that the, the compassion that the Samaritan had, he actually tried to tend the man's wounds. He took him to his shelter. He set up a tab. He intended to pay the tab, but he was willing to come back. Willing to come back and pay the tab. Because he wanted the man to be healthy. Jesus went on to ask the expert in the law. He said, which of these three, which of these three uh, do you think that was the, the neighbor to the man? The expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The story of the Good Samaritan, we see all of these principles I mentioned earlier. Love takes initiative. Love the unlovely. No impact without contact. Witness both verbal and and nonverbal, be flexible, be willing to sacrifice. The first point there, love takes initiative. Neither the priest or the Levite took the time to even entertain the thought of looking and tending to the man. The Samaritan did. He saw a need, 
He met that need. He took money out of his own pocket, having compassion for someone, someone he didn't know, and probably someone that wouldn't have done the same for him because that man that was beaten was a Jew. And Jews and Samaritans didn't jihad. They didn't get along. So he was willing to do something for someone as a selfless act that that someone probably wouldn't have done for him. We don't know. We don't know how it ends up. But what we do know is the Samaritan took the opportunity to love someone and his heart reached out that day. To love the unlovely, the Samaritan, I can't, like I told you, I can't imagine what that fellow looked like beaten and, and, and laying up there all crumpled up in the ball. But the Samaritan didn't seem to be concerned with his race, his religion, national origin, or anything else. He, the only thing that he was concerned with is that there was another human being laying right there before his eyes. And he was willing to help him no matter what it cost him. No impact without contact. The priest and the Levite... I'm pretty sure they had little to no impact on this man's life. But I can't imagine how much impact the Samaritan had. The Samaritan was willing to go beyond socially accepted norms. He was willing to, uh, to show grace, to show mercy. And also willing to sacrifice his time. Because I'm sure he was on the way to go somewhere. And he was willing to pay a debt that he didn't owe. Do we know someone else like that? Willing to pay a debt that he didn't owe. The cross reminds us of someone willing to pay a debt he didn't owe. The Samaritan showed love. Love that required a broken heart. His heart was broken for the wounded man. It had to have been. You can't, you can't do and be as involved as that Samaritan was and not have a broken heart and compassion on that person laying right in front of you. He bore witness to the injured man, ver- both verbal and nonverbal. He had, <clears throat> he had to, in order to, to, to get a feel of what the, the wounded man was going through, he needed to know the things that was, were going on in him because he was about to load him on a donkey. And I don't know how many of you pick, have picked up a human being before, that it, it, it's next to impossible because you're, you're talking about 100, 125 to 150 pounds of, of dead weight because this guy's so hurt he can't do nothing about it. And he lived and put him on a donkey. Now, I don't know, the, you know how many hands or a, a donkey is high, but they're, you know, they're about right there. And I don't know about 150 pounds on top of that donkey. That's, that's some exertion of of, 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 of strength and so anyway both verbal and nonverbal, he was willing to talk to him he was willing to put him on the donkey I mean he had to be flexible because he like I said he was on he was on the path it tells you he was going somewhere he was traveling down that same road I'm pretty sure he wasn't just out there walking just taking a merry stroll he was on mission to go do something but he saw a need and he met that need he had to be flexible with his time. He was willing to sacrifice because the effort and his money to love on another one of God's creatures. That's, that's the most important part of the Samaritan, in, in my opinion. So as we, as we 
draw this thing in, trying to land the plane. The end verse says, verse 37 says, go and do likewise. My challenge for you this week is where can we find ourselves in this parable? Have you ever found yourself in the shoes of the Levite or the priest? I know that I have. I've mentioned that to you already. I've chosen to walk the other way, walk out of the way too many times, more times than I care to mention, to be honest with you. But have you ever, have you ever found yourself as the person that we've been talking about? Have you ever found yourself as the wounded man, the person hurt so bad, either physically, socially, or whatever, been beat down so much that people avoid looking at you? People avoid making eye contact with you. People avoid even talking to you because they feel that you're so troubled. I know that I've felt that way. I know I've been marginalized and, and stereotyped and all of that stuff by people in society. I, I know that I have. I've felt it, and it hurts. Can't imagine the pain he was suffering that day. The good news is that as long as we have breath in our lungs, it's never too late to turn to God and ask him, how can I change the ways that I've been? How can I turn away from the, the person that doesn't want to be in contact with, with other people? <clears throat> how can I turn away from a person that, that is like a Levite or is like a priest uh, in, in this particular story? How can I turn away from people, uh, from, from being less people-oriented, less help-oriented, and turn in a manner in which I can help somebody, not for my glory, but for the glory of the Lord working in my heart. How can I do that? There are ways out there. There are several opportunities. We talked about missions a while ago, helping the, the kids at Eastridge. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what other mission opportunities that are going to be coming this way uh, throughout this year. But sometimes it's given money. Sometimes it's given, it's given uh, uh, food items. Sometimes it's given clothing items. Sometimes it's just seeing a post on social media of a need in the community and, 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 and God saying, hey, there's a way you can help. You might not be able to give time or you might not be able to do this or that, but here's a way you can help. There's so many things out there, so many opportunities that we have. And it could be as simple could be as simple as the person sitting next to you at the doctor's office. Could be as simple as the pers- person sitting next to you on some form of public transportation. Or it could be as simple as the person standing in front or behind you in the line at a grocery store, convenience store, wherever. We have opportunities. A lot of times our eyes are closed. Because we got so much going on in our life. I think the world would be a better place if we were to downshift a little bit. Get it out of six speed, come down over here, and maybe gear two or three might be a little bit better. Might give us a better opportunity to share God's love with one another. What he's doing in our lives, what he's doing in the lives of others. Give us an opportunity to be who he's called us to be. I have a, uh, I want to end with, with, with this way. Uh, man, there, there's a man, there's a man in my life, other, other than Richard, but Richard and I both studied under this man. 
Pastor Ward Hayes. Man, he, he left us with three questions each week, and it was a challenge to us. He gave us a challenge each week. He did not a directive, not, 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 you know, he didn't browbeat us with it, but he opened our eyes to three simple questions that laid opportunity out there before us. And those three questions, he, he, said, he said, Church, I'm going to leave you with this. Have you said a good word about the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you invited somebody to church? Have you seen a need and met it? You have an opportunity to do that each and every week. To answer one of those three. You don't have to answer them all. You can. You want to get there. You want to be able to answer all three of them. As you walk out your salvation. As you walk out the, the, the daily life that God has given you. But if you just challenge yourself to do one of those things. By the time you come back next Sunday. Man, that's a joyful experience in your life. Say a good word about the Lord Jesus Christ. Invite somebody to church and see a need and meet it. I promise you, God will bless you more in answering those three questions than you're blessing whoever. But the cool thing about that is, the awesome thing about that is, is that you both receive a blessing from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the altar's open this morning. If you want to come up and pray, if, if, if this is the first time that you've heard any part about the gospel message, if this is the first time that, uh, that God is really stirring in your heart, even if it's the thousandth time that God is stirring in your heart, the altar is open. Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.